How's everyone doing? Everyone had a great, great spring break? Restful? So you go back to work Monday with all the work? Sorry, just kidding. Um, if you didn't know, we took a team of uh, 14 people uh, from here, and we went to Cincinnati and out what we call a 10 days mission trip. And it was 14 of us. We went and stayed there. went to our church plant in Cincinnati, Bethel, Cincinnati, and we had a great time. And I really want to thank you guys who sold into the college students and also gave that offering. We were able to bless them with, with finances and bless them when we were, um, we did a lot of evangelism and a lot of things took place. Keep praying, our team. I flew back. Um, we drove up together. I flew back. They're on the road. They stopped last night in Little Rock to spend the night because they hit them storms that were coming in, which is great. They're on the road about 12 hours. So they're going to come in by at least about 1 or 2 o'clock today. And they're going to get up next week and just share a bunch of testimonies. I'm not going to do that now because I want, we're going to do it as a team effort. And you don't want to miss what happened. Here's what happened there with us. We, our lives were changed. It wasn't about them being, t- we were changed. I was forever changed. And it was amazing what God did. Um, when we were there. So we're really excited, and you'll see some stuff come on Facebook and everything. But come next week when they get up here and give their testimonies, especially about how they raised the finances and also their, what they call a two-minute miracle uh, when things took place. So um, thank you again for your giving, and you enabled them to do, uh, able to extend the kingdom of God in Cincinnati. Pastor Brian and Siobhan tell us that thank you. You'll probably be seeing them here in a couple months. I'm going to bring them in to um, have them relax because church planting is hard, okay? And Cincinnati is one of those cities. It's one of the racially divided cities, but we were able to do some things there. And he's the perfect guy for it, perfect guy for it. So keep praying for that team. They'll be home in a little bit. So, and it goes perfectly with what we've been talking about because what? Faith what? Works. Works. And we did, uh, this is part three. We did two, chap- we did two sessions in chapter one. Today, what we're going to do a session in chapter, a uh, couple, cha- one session in chapter two, talking about a working faith, a working faith. Again, if you need, if you miss because it was spring break, you can go on to gracepoint.com and pull down the messages. Also, you can pull down the, uh, we have what we call discipleship notes there um, that you can look at and you can just go ahead and go by and you can study all you want to do. I want to, we want to present that to you free. So in case you think if you missed anything, you can go around online. About, about usually about 5 o'clock on Sunday, we have everything up. So, um, But what we're going to do today is talk about James chapter 2. How many really enjoy the book of James? Isn't it like a straightforward book? You don't have, it don't have, James doesn't beat around the bush. He, doesn't, um, he just tells you straight like it is because he's talking to a hard audience, some, the Jews, and he's talking to a hard audience, but he is really just straight up. And it's such a practical book. One of the writers said it's actually like a proverb. Because it just tells you straight up. It's a journal epistle, but it's short, it's concise, but it's powerful. And you can read it. Each time you read it, two or three, um, I don't care how many times you read it, it will change your life. It will challenge you. Now, the reason why I'm telling you is this next section I'm going to read is going to challenge you. Because it challenged me. It's almost like you go to a doctor and he gives you a checkup, a physical and he says, you need to do this or you're going to die. You need to do that or you're going to die. And you got to stop saying this and start doing this or you're going to die. How many like doctors like that? 
I'm going to the doctor on Monday. He's probably going to say, you didn't keep up with anything I told you. And this section is called, really, if you look at it, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, faith without works is dead. And it's a tough one. It challenges me to the core every time I read it. Faith without works is dead. And it's like James just sits on a patient in the chair, and he just starts speaking to them about their lives. You say you do this, but you have to have this. If you don't do this, it's dead. It's useless. You'll hear some words like that. It's demonic. You'll hear some words like that today. Talking about how faith and works work together in harmony. How many are ready? So as you go through this, I want you to really uh, understand what God is saying. Starting in verse 14. And he starts with a rhetorical question. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And what the answer is, the way he starts it off, no. <laughs> if a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, the church answer, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? So faith by itself, I'm sorry, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Okay, go ahead. Thank you, sir. You know where my mind was going. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Did something happen there on me? Oh, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he was offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Another question. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And the same way... And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? 26. For as the body is apart from the spirit is dead. Wow. So also faith apart from works is dead. Father, I ask in this moment that we have, I ask for revelation, not just information. And Father, as you just challenge us, this is a challenging message. It's a good challenge. Let us all leave here changed. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story that I looked up. Um, it's a famous story. You might have heard it. It's about a, a Scotsman whose job was he had a rowboat, and he would take people across the bay in the water. And what he did with the, um, his oars, because it was a rowboat, he would put one oar, and he engraved faith. And then he took the other oar and he put works. And it was a conversation piece because he was trying to start conversations with people. And someone asked him, why do you have that on there? So what he did, he demonstrated what he was talking about. 
what he did was they get in the boat and they have the oil faith. And he used two hands and he goes like this. And he's going in circles. And they said, wow. And he said, watch this part. So he goes to works. He puts that in the water. And he takes the faith out, put that in the boat. And he does like this. And he goes nowhere. And then he takes both of them out the boat and put them in the water. And he goes. See, if you heard it before about faith and even some people challenge what James said about faith. And uh, Paul says, he does say, you know, by faith you've been saved. But also uh, faith and works work together the way James is not rebuking Paul. He's just saying that really uh, works will determine your faith. And that man was showing you that you can't do without. You have to go. They're perfectly married. Because when you have questions like someone knows, seem to say they know Jesus, but their lifestyle shows it different. Well, they, it's whatever, they're doing whatever they believe in. That makes sense? So you need faith and works working in concert together. So the first question in verse 14 was, does your faith does it lead to salvation? No, you need works. Because how many believe when you, I mean, how many remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? Now, you thought that was your idea when you came to a church, right? You felt something on you when they made the call or whoever led you to Jesus about, I need to accept Christ. You didn't say it naturally because when I started going to church, and I got into a service, my first inclination, I am getting out of here because it is so uncomfortable. And then I got home and my wife asked me, what are you going to do tonight? Because they had service at night. And my inclination was to say, I'm not going back. And then something came out of my mouth, I'm going back. And I remember standing up in the evening service saying, Jesus, you're real. Now, what was in being, God loved me so much, Holy Spirit, I felt something, and I stood up in faith. That was my action versus sitting down. I believe God, and we, I met some people this week. I believe God. I said, well, do you really believe in his son? Well, well, you don't believe God. See? So faith without works is dead. So they, when he did this, you need both of them. Stay with me, okay? This is one, of the one I wrote down. The faith you have is the faith you show. That's your takeaway today. The faith that you have is the faith you show. And anything you do is evidence to what you believe. You with me? So when we look at this scripture, James is spelling out three things. He's talking about three types of faith. And the question is, which one are you? And I had to answer that question. Because the first one was, do I have an intellectual faith? Do I have a useless faith? Or do I have a dynamic faith? And it's like you're on that operating table and he's opening you up. Because you think about, I have faith, which is great, but do I really by my actions? Make sense? So let's look at the first one. Intellectual faith. Verses 14 through 17. Can you bring that up for me, sir? Thank you. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? 
Can that faith save him? And basically, he's asking a rhetorical question with the answer is a negative answer. No. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? Another question. 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have what? Is dead. And that's what we call intellectual faith. And some people call it mental assent. What it means is, I can say it, but I won't do it. How many have one of those buddies that said a lot but did nothing? <laughs> they had a great story. They'll captivate you with a story, but you look at they don't do anything he's saying, but he's very exciting. And it's like I love the guy who walked, did the type walk. I mean, um, walked across the tightrope over Niagara Falls. Was Niagara Falls? How many believe he's awesome? How many believe he can take someone on his shoulders over the water? Y'all ain't going that far yet? You all messing up the illustration. Come on now. Now, here's the next question. Oh, you're going to do it. Okay. Mental, intellectual, faith. I know all the words, but there's no action. All the words. Intellectual faith produces, produces right words, but no action. And we heard the words. It's like these words. Reaching people, building community. You wouldn't come here long if we're not doing any of that, would you? Or devotion, diversity, discipleship. They keep saying that, but they sure don't. I learned a long time ago, one of my bosses told me, son, whatever you say, you better do. Because right now, you're saying a lot and you're doing nothing. It's an older man, older gentleman, old crusty chief's man's son. Because I gave him, I told him, this place, you come in here, you're not going to find nothing wrong. We're, the, we're bad, we're awesome. He came in there, the first thing he found was like, then he went somewhere else. He found that. And we're dying now. I'm a young guy. I went just, oh, we're, we're over. He took us outside and told me that. So next, he, told, he rebuked me first. The next time you say something, you're going to make sure what you're saying is registered in this building. Well, same thing with our faith. When we say it and we declare it, we need to do it. Now, here's the thing. The hardest step to take is the first step. How many agree? It's tough the first because it's unknown. And Martin Luther King says <laughs> the first step, just take, take, a, um, take a step of faith. Even when you don't see the sec, that step, the second step, take the first one, and then God will provide the second and the third. Because the, first, the hardest thing to do is get started. Amen? It's not about it. The hardest thing is get, I mean, we did it. We got, and we, they did it. They put us to the test on Monday when we went to our mission trip. We're praying. We're, yeah, we're believing. Okay, getting teams. And, like, and I've never done this before. I'm like, I am? No, I'm the pastor. I'm going to sit back and do the paperwork. <laughs> and I went with a guy. And I got, I said, I've never done the God test before. I've never started a conversation before like this. And he says, no problem. So he did one. I said, this is cool. He's going to keep doing them. 
you're great. I'm celebrating with you. Then he gave me the paper. You're next. I said, one time? One time. And you know, my first person that I talked to, I said, do you believe in God? I don't know. (laughs) Do you know why you don't know? I'd rather not answer that question. And I'm like, you're going to make me look good. I'm going to knock you out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) God knew that. The first one was the hardest one. But it was a step of faith for me. Because it was the first time ever. Because it's great behind, I was telling people, it's great behind the pulpit. I have a captive audience till you get sleepy. But to start a conversation with somebody and, and hear the answers and then hear God to say something, <laughs> that was amazing. It was. I was like a kid in a candy store. And it got better. I got better at it. Then the next day, you start off again because you're sec- the next day you're like, okay, here we go. And the, fir- the second one was an atheist. I mean, my first one the second day was an atheist. I said, look, you don't know Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> It was amazing because God, when I didn't know what to say, God started telling me the things about that person that no one knew. Because, see, I stepped where I needed him the most. If I'm back here saying it, I don't need him much. He says, my son, when you get close and you really need to push through, then I'm going to show up and show you. Which is, that's faith. And expectations, guess what? Belongs to him, not me. The victory was when those kids raised that $715 and left. That was, that's when we all won. When you even funded them, that's when you won. And we showed up and we saw God was there already. He was just waiting for us to make the appointments. And most of the time in our step of faith, be past beyond the intellectual and saying it and doing it. God has already orchestrated it all before. Yes, you get there. And you'll say, How do, why am I here? And he'll show you. He'll bring some alongside to show you. But you have to step out. Okay? Intellectual faith. Second thing is, uh, Warren Wisby says this, people with dead faith substitute words for deeds. Because in the story here, in the scripture, you see this, that someone needs something, you just give them a word without a deed? What is, what is good? It's no good. And I wrote this down. It said a word, like, I'll say this, a word of blessing without the act of a blessing is like the promise of salvation without the saving act of God in it. God promises to, to, uh, to um, forgive my sins, but he doesn't do them. It's just words. Just words, which can be dead. He's saying here, basically, a living faith is expressed by deeds of love. And where do you get that from? If you go to Galatians 5, 6, it says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only what? Faith, what? Working through love. So everything you will do is going to really uh, gain glory to God, and you're going to look just and act just and think like Jesus Christ. 
Because everything you do is out of love and compassion. When you step out in faith. Remember I told you, those folks in Cincinnati, God loved them so much. He sent a team over there to speak to them. And we didn't have to lay the groundwork. He already laid the groundwork. And you'll hear some stories about that. That's how much he loves us. He lays it out already. Before you even step out, he's just waiting for you to take the action and step out. And especially if it's for love. Because how many will not turn down prayer? You know, every, I don't care how much of an atheist or whatever agnostic you are. Someone says, do you want prayer? Everyone believes in prayer, don't they? And you just pray. And we're going to, um, before Easter, we're going to go through a lot of these things, practical things on how we can touch people who God really wants to touch and change. And we do it every week in our, in our uh, trip when we go to Reagan Elementary. We have no idea what we're going to say to those kids that day. But we show up, and you don't know if they had a good day or a bad day. All you know, you are in there with them. And if he's running around and doing this and doing that, and we got all the training. But the, how many know when you get trained by a set of principles until you've reached your first um, engagement, that's not in a book. <laughs> so you need God. And you'll hear later on that. This church here, when we won the community award um, from the Big Brothers, Big Sisters for our engagement, our engagement in uh, Regular Elementary, thanks to Miss Ruth and Mark Gregory. Isn't that amazing? And we noticed when we got there, God's already there. My little guy, he's something else. I got to keep him until he's in 10th grade, 12th grade. Because he got the perfect smile, and he likes girls. <laughs> okay, uh, you're mine until you are an adult. <laughs> and why, why do we do that? Compassion drove us, and faith took us. Which makes life really exciting, because this is the way God planned it. Make sense? Second one is useless faith, 18 through 20. This one's interesting. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? This is a hard one. You do well. Even the demons believe in shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And that's what I put part two is useless faith. Now, those of you who call someone foolish is someone who's misinformed. Not called the word that we would call it. It's someone who's just misinformed, without, has no understanding on what God wants to do or what he's saying. Okay? So when you look at useless, useless faith. See, because faith entails more than knowledge. It includes trust and obedience. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, okay, you do well to believe. The demons, when you first want to recognize Jesus Christ, if you look at the book of Mark, were the demons. Are you the son of God? And don't, are you come to torment us? And everyone didn't even know who he was, but the demons did. But they were so scared, they didn't change. They didn't do anything. And it becomes emotional, but there's not intellectual, emotional, but there's no change. There's nothing. And it has no, they trust and no obedience, which will solidify your faith. Make sense? 
How many husbands I got here who love their wives? How many do more than just say it? How many of them of your wives remind you you're just saying it? Because <laughs> they want what? Action, right? Because that's great, honey, you love me. But if you, my mother used to say, if you love me, you would obey me. I'm like, mom, don't say that. You're breaking my heart. Yeah. It's great to say I love you and I'm emotional. We're in love. And she says, show me. Some of you guys are in trouble when you get home. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, faith without works is not faith at all, but a simple lack of obedience to God. Yeah, that's a hard one there. That's, if you read his books, it's amazing. Because he went through a lot. And he is the one that qualified on faith. And what it is, it is simple obedience. The demons believe, but they didn't obey. We believe, so we should obey. If you don't, it becomes useless. You have a lot of emotion, you know, but there's no change. I love worship and stuff, but people just, I, I feel, go, and you leave on Monday and no change. It was just an emotional moment for you, right? So faith without works. And this part he's talking about with the demons, it's useless because that's what he ends. It's just useless. It's no good. And we want to be effective, not useless. Right, husbands? Husband, I'm trying to help you out, man. You ought to be saying, yeah, I'm the best. Yeah, you're supposed to be cheering. You're putting points in the bank, putting money in the bank. Well, you'll get it later. I'm sorry. I'm going to win because I bought her something back from the trip. <laughs> yeah. Last one is dynamic faith, verses 21 to 26. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? How many know that story in Genesis 22? <laughs> Waiting 25 years for his own, and it kept saying his only son that was born of the spirit. He had one son that was born of the flesh, but he had his only son. Waiting 25 years, and then God says, take a bump on the hill and sacrifice him. And you don't read anything in the, in the Bible about negotiations, do you? <laughs> But you got to know the human element of, and it took three days to get there. I'm like, are you sure you heard God? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you, I can't afford to be off. And he did it. Because he realized he had the faith that if he did it, God would resurrect it. So that's the same principle when you talk about giving. Sacrifice always precedes your blessing. And it's an, act, it's, a, it's an act of faith. It always precedes it. God wants everything. He does. And he's not, he doesn't want everything to take it from you. He wants everything to rearrange it and bless it for you. So he does that. He waited 20, 25 years. But he even did something, if you look at in tw- chapter 21, when he didn't have a child. And he went again. And it's a man. He wasn't a perfect man. He lied to the king about, this is my sister. And... and all the wombs in the tent city was barren, was, was bound, barren. All the women became barren. They couldn't have children. The king noticed, what are you doing here, and what did you do to us? Now, here's a man waiting 25 years 
for a baby, for a child. The inheritance that we're all enjoying today. The king says, hey, pray. <laughs> pray for us so we can have children. I'm like, pray for you? I don't have anything yet. Why am I going to pray? Faith says, pray. He prays. The women aren't barren anymore. Chapter 22, guess who's born? See, the Bible's full of principles and patterns. Even when you don't have what you think you should have, you still pray for other people first. See, the, the, the act of getting out of your mess is help others get out of theirs. You know what I'm saying? Every time I gave and done something, when I didn't have the money all the time, it seemed like more time and money was added to it. And I don't do it to receive more. I'm just acting in the way God says do it. Because it's not about me getting it right before I step out. It's about stepping out so he'll make me right. Make sense? So 23 says this. You see, okay, and the scripture was fulfilled saying Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness and was called the what? A friend of God. And if you look at verse um, in Isaiah 41.8, he says, but you Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. And when you go to the, in the Bible, in the book of John, Jesus calls us his friends. He says, I used to call you servants, and the servants don't know what the master's doing. But since I'm, we're in relationship now, you're my friend, because I'll show you what I'm doing. So we're friends. And how we're friends by, really, if you look at that chapter about, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll step out in faith in that area. You see, that person is justified by works, but not by what? Faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is what? Dead. Now, the story of Rahab is amazing. In Joshua chapter 2, when they sent out two spies to spy out the land because they didn't make it 40 years prior. They sent out the 12, and they had the bad news. They had to wait 40 years. They sent out two. And the most interesting thing was this. They went to see which way to come in, and they met Rahab, and the city knew they were there. If you know about the city of Jericho, wall city should be the fortress. You're protected. Rahab says some things to him. She says this. We knew 40 years ago that you guys were coming. When you crossed the Red Sea, we've never seen a God open up the Red Sea and watch you walk on dry land. <laughs> That's amazing. They looked at themselves as grasshoppers. Jericho looked at them as conquerors because they knew the God that they served. It's amazing. So he said, what, we, what happened to us when you crossed over... <laughs> Our hearts melted. We were scared that you guys were coming 40 years ago. And they were afraid to step over in faith when God said, the land is yours. They thought they were going to get beat up. 
Them people were hiding because they knew the God that they served is so powerful. He opened up the water and they walked on dry land. And he took out the whole Egyptian army. Sometimes we are scared of, we're scared of us. Who's more scared of us? When you step over the line sometimes, you say, oh, that was kind of easy. The hard thing was getting past my fear. But you don't even know the fear they had. That's why they said they were walled up in the city. They could have threw down bricks on them. when they. What are you going to do, Joshua? We're going to walk around the building. Are you kidding me? You're fired. Okay, who's next? We're going to walk around the building. You're fired. Get out of here. Walk around the building for six days. The seventh day, sing. You got a better plan. There's got to be a better plan. Is God saying anything? You know, sometimes the plan is harder than the problem. And that's what faith is sometimes. You step out in faith, it's a whole lot harder than the problem. Because when you step out in faith, it changes you. And we like to stay the same sometimes. I do. I like to be be comfortable. I like laying in my bed, my wife rubbing my head. I'm a creature of comfort. Then when God says do something, he already had a plan set in motion for me to, to be part of it. Not to, we learn this, I'm not working for God, I'm working with him. And he's just this imperfect vessel to step up. And I've already been working on it, just don't mess it up. Don't, and even if I mess it up, his grace is sufficient to fix it up. Because he picked me. It's amazing when you look at that. So they were nervous. They didn't have to be. Some of you might be nervous if God is telling you something. You don't have to be. He's already working on your behalf on a lot of things. Rahab, the prostitute. What a name. What a name. Goes to the whole Bible is Rahab, the prostitute. And we know what prostitutes do or what they're known for. But she made the book of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Rahab the prostitute do not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She didn't perish. God made a covenant. You're going with us. A prostitute. And sometimes we kill ourselves. God is not going to want to use me. Because I don't have the education. I don't have, hey, look at the Bible. There's no scholars in there. You should be encouraged. That's to give you courage. That you are valuable. And he uses anybody and everybody to get his plan across. That's amazing. And we have a Savior, Jesus Christ. He says to do one thing until he comes back. And we're so powerful, we don't even know it. We're so awesome, we don't even know it. Because we're our extension of Jesus. And last time I checked, Jesus is all-powerful, right? All-knowing. So if you're a child, you know the daddy. And what comes from the daddy comes down to the what? Son and daughters. When it comes to faith, so faith in Jesus produces actions that reveal the nature and the character of Jesus. 
What we did this last week was reveal the nature and the character of Jesus. When you go out into your workplace and someone asks, needs some help, someone needs a couple dollars, and everyone turns them on and they want to talk about them, you give them something, all you're doing is revealing the nature and the character of Jesus. They need someone to talk to when, the thing, when times get rough. And you answer the phone. All you're doing is revealing the nature and the character of Jesus. And that's what we call dynamic faith. Because that's all Abraham did. And it's account to him as salvation because of his faith. And it was simple. God said, go here. He did. God said, wait. And he did. Was it easy? No, it shows all his imperfections in between. But it did not cancel out the plan that God has. Now, God has a plan. Did you know this? God has a plan written to change the world. Did y'all know that? Let me tell you how he does it. Matthew 5. Look what he calls us. I like it because my head shines when the halo's on me. (laughs) I'm so tired. I got to get some sleep. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a stand, give it light to all or some in the house. The same way, let your light shine before others so they may what? See your what? Your works working with faith. You'll say, you're intelligent. You'll say, no, not really. It's God. Had no idea. And I really don't want to be here right now. But it's God having me there. Good works. Give glory to your Father who's in heaven. When people, when you're able to shine a light on people, able to speak and be kind to people, have compassion on people, guess who gets the credit? And that's our job. I see it all the time. People say, ah, I'm at this job. I'm in this God-forsaken place. You're in a good place. It's not really God-forsaken because you're there. Yeah, yeah, you could clap on that. Yeah, if it can't be forsaken if you're there. That means he has a plan for your workplace. He has a plan for your neighbor. You know the neighbor you hate the worst? We all have them. Guess what they're waiting on? Some light. They're waiting on some barbecue since we're in Texas. They're waiting on the light because you're the light of the world. In your worst day, you're the light of the world. I've, looked, I took, I've been taking all these personality tests and doing a process to find out who, is, who am I. Seven weeks of counseling and coaching and all that stuff. And I kept giving the answer of this, my job. And the coach said, go back, get it right. So your job, who are you? I said, oh, I'm the guy who loves God, people, and life. And I love to encourage people. And I love to work hard. He said, now you got it. That's how God created you. Because sometimes you look at your position versus your creation. A lot of times as believers, we look at our our problems versus how God created us. And we all got different types of lights and we're all different. But God will use that to bring change to your workplace. How many got some bosses that are unbearable? Pray for them. Offer kindness to them. Now, it's not contingent on the answer you receive. It's about God said do it and watch his results. It might take a year 
It might take two years. It might take two minutes. But the thing is, it's not that. It's just God has an opportunity to touch. And we're his extension. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Guess what, folks? We are too. If you know who Christ is, we are too. Now, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't negate the truth. That's who you are. You have kids. That's who you are. Why don't we all stand? This book challenges me. You got to ask those three questions. Do I have intellectual faith? Do I have useless faith? Am I walking in dynamic faith? And I have to answer all those questions. Here's the thing. Every single day. Because <laughs> it's not contingent on how I feel. It's about what contingent on what God says. And I can talk all the game, but if you, after a while you'll say, this church isn't doing anything. They just keep saying it. If that doesn't become a reality, who's going to stick around for um, just hear talk? Because you're all smart, intelligent people. And those who are suffering through something, you know what it's going to take? Dynamic faith to walk away from some things. Dynamic faith to change your life. Because I'm telling you, a lot of times, a lot of times, the plan is, is harder than the problem because it's easy to walk around in self-pity. It's easy to say, I don't have education. It's easy to say, I don't, have, I don't have a good pedigree. That's easy to do. But the hardest thing is, I'm not going to go ahead and let that dictate who I am. Is what God says about me. Now I'm going to walk forward. So my mother didn't get there. My dad didn't get there. But I'm going to get there. And that's hard because the past is always messing with you. And you hear this line, I'm just, that's just me. I'm just like this. No, you're not. Unless you want to stay like that. How many need some faith? You're going through some things right now. You need God to do something miraculous. Let's raise your hand. Come on, put them up. If you're a leader, there's no, there's no condemnation if you're a leader. Come on up. Anybody else? Come on up. You know what you just did? You just activate your dynamic faith because you stepped out. Okay, go across. Wow. Ms. Dean, I want you to pray, and then we're going to pray for you at the end, okay? It's like Abraham. <laughs> In a minute, let me. Whatever it is, just close your eyes. Whatever it is, whatever you're thinking, whatever is pressing, whatever is hard, just right now, give it to God. Just give it to Him right now and believe that He will do the things He says He's going to do. Because it says in the Bible, according to your faith, healing comes. According to your faith, you are delivered. According to your faith, you will have all things. According to your faith, so you got to build your faith. Right now, just give it to God. There's no shame. He already knows it already. He's been waiting for you to step out in faith and say, I need help. 
So that's why we push life groups because we know everyone, everyone needs help. Just give it to God. Put your hands up. Just give it to God. Surrender. It's an act of surrender. Put your hands out. Ready that you're going to expect that you're going to receive something. Okay. The Word of God tells us to cast our cares unto the Lord because he cares for us. The very fact that you came forward this morning was an act of casting your care upon the Lord. An act of faith saying, I'm stepping out of myself. I'm stepping out of my problems. I'm stepping out of my intellect. I'm stepping out of my own issues. And I'm stepping into the place where I believe God is going to meet my needs. And so, Father, we stand in agreement this morning for the people of God. We thank you for this act of faith in them coming forward, Lord God. We thank you that we are able to cast our cares on you, knowing that you care for us. The word of God says, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. We believe you did that for us, Lord God. We believe that you saved us, that you took us out of darkness, and that you brought us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. And if you can save us, Lord God, nothing is impossible to you. We cast every care, Lord, onto you. We roll it onto you, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you increase our faith. The Word of God says you have given every man a measure of faith, Lord. And we ask that with that faith, there be a work connected with it in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord God, just now to touch every life, that one, Lord God, who is concerned about health, I pray a release from that in the name of Jesus. That one that is concerned about finances, about relationships, Lord God, about children issues, about the workplace, Lord. I ask, Lord God, that as they cast these cares on them, on over to you, Lord God, that you just relieve them right now of every issue, every disappointment, every fear, Lord God, every place of disturbance in the spirit. Let it be rolled onto you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you do all things well, that you do not make mistakes, Lord God, and you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. And now, Lord God, as we cast it on to you, we receive the answer to our prayers. We receive, Lord God. We receive, Lord God. We receive, Lord God. We receive, Lord God, the answer to everything we're asking you to do. You're able, Lord God, to do exceedingly and abundantly above everything we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Everyone look at me real quick. (laughs) You know, I want you to remember this. When you read a book of James, it can be kind of God wants me to be perfect it's not looking for perfection. It's just looking for you to progress. I answered a few questions of everyone I had this the whole week. They said, God, I said, who's God to you? He's mighty. He's magnificent. He's omniscient. That's great. Now, who is he to you? I want you to realize you have a personal God who loved you so much, and he's just this close. He gives your heart to beat. Everything supplies life to you. He's, not, he's that far out, but he's right here with you every single day. All you got to do, if you don't have it this day, you don't have the faith today, you say, God, I need help. He says, right there. It's not looking for perfection. It's where we mess this up with faith. It's looking for progress. Louis Zacchaeus did not have perfect faith. It was sufficient faith. 
And I declare that right now, everyone here, God, have sufficient faith for today. The faith of a mustard seed that will encourage them and show them how real you truly are. And Father, we, do, we disdain electoral and useless. We walk today by being dynamic. How do we be dynamic? We trust and obey you. That is what we call the normal Christian life. And I thank you for your grace when we don't make it that day or that hour that you, <laughs> your grace is sufficient to put us back in the game. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, get a hand clap. Remember what Jesus.